I'm Arlen Hamilton, and I'm an investor. In 2015, I launched Backstage Capital, a venture capital fund, after experiencing food and housing insecurity for most of my life. I wanted to invest in companies led by founders who are women, people of color, and LGBTQ, just like me. I have invested in more than 150 companies since 2015 and growing. I started your first million to understand what it was like to make your first million dollars, get your first million fans or downloads, and to see if there was a common thread between us all. Join me as I talk to people from all walks of life about how they got where they are, what they learned on the way, and where they're going. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, I made my first million. <laughs> Let's talk about it. They slept on me, but now they walk Because I got a million Fresh out the mud, but I'm clean and so Because I got a million I got my first million I got my first million Maria! Hello. Hello, hello. You're here. So excited to be here. I've been a fan. Well, um, really happy to see you and um, was excited to talk to you last week with some of the people on your team. I want you to start off by just introducing yourself and, and, and let people know a little bit about the fun that you work at. Yeah, of course. How far back do you want me to go in introducing myself? Just introducing yourself, not necessarily telling your life story, but like, who uh, are okay. you? If somebody's just learning about you today, who are you? Yeah, of course. So I, I am an investor, just like Arlen. I work in a fund called Unshackle Ventures, which is a pre-seed fund. So we tend to invest pretty early in the company journey. Uh, really what we like to call day zero. Most of these companies are pre-product, pre-revenue. Um, and we have this kind of unique uh, approach in, in the kind of founders that we focus on, which are immigrant founders. So teens that have at least one foreign-born founder. Um, and yeah, we like to be kind of the, that first check, what would be the equivalent of a family and friends round uh, that many immigrants who come to this country don't have uh, that family and friends round. So we, we aim to be that for them. Um, I guess really briefly a little bit about myself. I was born in Colombia, came to the U.S. when I was seven years old. Um, Colombia at the time was a little rough, so my family did uh, immigrate to the U.S. as as refugees, and um, in a weird way, kind of won the visa American dream lottery because I happened to you know be born at the right country at the right time when something like refugee status was possible. Obviously, it's it really is a very random way that it works in the U.S. And many folks got exposed to how random it is with all the Syrian refugee crisis and some of the other stuff that's happened. But it's definitely not easy and um, not all countries are able to do it. So I always felt like I won the American dream lottery with being able to be from this country and, and stay here. Um, otherwise, I would probably be a, a DACA recipient myself. Yeah. And so I want to get into all of that. I want to get into... First of all, let's let's really dial in to the fund because I know a lot of people listening right now are immigrants themselves to the U.S. or know someone who I started thinking about it myself, like going through this list because you all have a really really interesting model. So what can you what attracted you to Unshackled to begin with? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was you know I I, I didn't come from a, a 
of family, of money, um, or power, and obviously started fairly from scratch as, as an immigrant and a refugee, and, and we moved to Florida. So not even a big city uh, like New York or, or San Francisco or LA or anything. So uh, for me, something that became very clear, right, and, and me being, you know, I always felt this kind of duty because I did feel like I won this American dream lottery that I, um, was very aware of the times when people made a bet on me, right? So obviously this this is all the way from like my fourth grade teacher who encouraged me to get tested for the gifted program, which myself and my parents didn't know, my second grade teacher who like recommended that I get pulled out of ESL classes, which is all Spanish 24 seven, instead of, you know, some immersion program and, and uh, you know, made that bet for me and uh, is my debate teacher in high school and obviously just like a couple of professors in college that you know, I didn't have anything really to offer that took that bet on me. And I think when I found this fund that was just getting started and I really joined the fund from the, I want to say the second or third check that we wrote, um, we've now made close to 55 investments since then. So it was really the early days. And when I met the partners, these two Indian guys, Mana and Nitin, uh, it was really clear that they wanted to be that first bet on immigrant entrepreneurs, uh, that they knew that they were going to have to structure fund uniquely for the needs of, of, of this population. And, you know, when you're immigrant, you come to this country, whether it's for school or for work or, or for whatever other reason, there's a couple of things you don't have, which is not necessarily that different from um, a lot of, of of you know minorities in this country um, and a little bit of obviously what backstage investors as well, but you need access to a network, right? You don't have a network, uh, not one at least in tech or operating or finance or VC. Um, you need access to money. There's like, if you don't have that family and friend uh, that comes from money and can give you, you know, 150K check to invest that, you know, it's very risky capital because it's, it's a startup. Um, and you don't have a community, right? Folks who are similar to you and going through this journey. So for us as a fund, that's kind of what we're focused on, just providing a community of founders that kind of understand your journey and, and can be support system for you. Um, provide that capital as a VC fund, provide that network of supporters, mentors, advisors, other, other uh, founders that are willing to give back. Um, and then uniquely, obviously, is a lot of the immigration stuff. So we are the only fund that kind of has an in-house uh, immigration council that is um, there to work with all of our founders and figure out their like individualized, personalized immigration plan to make sure that they can work on their company full time and long term. And what you said you have 55 or so investments. What are some of the countries that people in your portfolio are from? Oh, gosh, we have last time I think we checked was 27 different countries. Uh, and I think with the exception of Antarctica, we probably cover most continents at this point as well. So it, it really um, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So but but just to name name two or three just so that people can kind of get a feel for this. Yeah. I mean, we have Ukraine, we have Peru, we have uh, Slovakia, we have uh uganda hong kong that's canada incredible. that's incredible <laughs> i love that so what are your so what are people working on um when they when they come in do you find you know i get asked this question a lot about the types of founders we invest in like do you find that they're working on something specific to them or is it is it just like any other fund but different people at the helm 
How do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, for, for an immigrant to take a bet on pursuing entrepreneurship, having not access to any of the things I, I already just listed out, they have to really think the problem is big, right? Immigrants are not risky individuals, right? We think of entrepreneurs as being very risky, but immigrants are incredibly risk adverse. Uh, same thing as, you know, kind of first generation students, right? Like it's not easy turning down that Google job. Um, and most of these immigrants are, you know, barely strong talent, right? They either they are strong on, on STEM, good universities, or, you know, how to hustle their way into good tech companies or something like that. So um, I think in general, they, they, they choose fairly big, bald problems. And so I think that's exciting, right? Because I think one of the issues that I always, I always check myself and making sure I don't fall into the bucket of being a VC that invests in like, uh, the next just productivity app <laughs> and that's going to you know be marginally better but uh, really investing in kind of those big problems that I know you know I saw growing up and I think a lot of our immigrant founders see so you know we we have folks that are working on supply chain for grocery stores um, we have ones that are you know looking into the the opiate abuse and addiction crisis and, and create a kind of some hardware around controlling this um, microbiome. Um, we have a couple that are in space tech, so microsatellites, methane detection. Um, we have I know, a co-investment in Career Karma, us and, and, and Backstage, and obviously that's kind of a, a marketplace for uh, job upskilling, reskilling, retraining um, for yeah. those that don't come from traditional paths and you know, going into software engineering or design. So yes. it's all over the place. Definitely there's like some exciting stuff. It sounds like what they have in common uh, with each other and with the backstage portfolio is is they're just, like you said, they're going after big things. They're they're taking, it, it may be their first or second shot, but they're, they're really going after uh, something meaningful to a lot of other people. And I think that's, that's brilliant. Um, what, what's, can you talk a little bit about, because this is your first million, what size fund do you all have now? And how did it get started? Like, what did it start at? Because I think a lot of people think they see a fund that has X amount that it just was easy to do or easy to get. Yeah, no, I mean, our first fund was, um, I want to say close to 5 million. Um, and we started, I think we had close to like 80 uh, to 90 investors in that fund. Yeah. And so a lot of very small checks that kind of took a bet on us. Uh, we didn't come from a traditional venture background either. So it was, we were, we're first time investors, first time managers. So that that's always the toughest to enter venture as. Um, and, you know, our, our second fund was 25 million and, you know, we're, we're coming close to our, our third fund, um, which will be um, larger than, than the second one. But we do want to stick fairly um, disciplined to precede. And so just based on, on math itself, if we wanna be writing that first check and, and continue to expect the same types of returns or stage of company um, and that risk of that early stage company, then we have to stay fairly small as a fund. I don't think we would ever cross the $100 million size of a fund uh, to stay disciplined on our stage. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of a couple of very successful fund managers who at the time could have raised two, 300, $400 million funds, but chose to stay at 50 or 60 because the math 
just works differently and people at the time didn't understand it and then they were they understood it with the re with the results so i love that disciplined angle where do people see the portfolio companies so i know people are really interested in seeing the types of companies you've invested in where, what website is that yeah it's just uh, unshackledvc.com um okay. so we have portfolio and, and teams uh, on there it's, we're pretty try to be pretty transparent uh, i think our websites are most go-to place i, I think our uh, probably crunch base and stuff is not as updated but our yeah. website's pretty updated we, we, don't, we, we do don't it quarterly our, our crunch base or pitch book do you can people apply uh, openly on your website or do you have another process oh no 100 percent. yeah this is something i feel very strongly about since day one like you know if we're gonna open doors and increase access and grow the pool of entrepreneurs we have to be unapologetically accessible and so yeah. on our fund there's a button at the top right that says pitches so anyone clicks on the button and can it's not a very long kind of i guess application it's a very short form where we basically get your deck founder information countries of birth and that's it, it takes less than three minutes um, and we do make the promise forever there's two promises we make there's going to be at least three investors in our investment team that will take a look uh, and review uh, and we will never ghost you. We will always have next step, whether it's a yes or a no, or here's what happens next. Um, you will never not hear back from us. Yeah, that's incredible. And uh, so the, the thing is that at least one person on the founding team has to be an immigrant to the United mm -hmm. States. Correct. So want to be, because you work on visas, could, could it be somebody who's in another country right now and they want correct. to immigrate? Yes, yes. Um, so. Yeah, the our, our core focus is definitely immigrant founders. So teams that have a one person that is foreign born, foreign born being not US born, um, that can be either here or not here, but they want to be here um, because unfortunately, like we we don't we're a small team, we're six people, we don't have the capacity to invest and become experts and build networks and talent across the whole global ecosystem. And so we know our strengths lie in, in the US market. That's where we can support portfolio companies. So. If, you want to build a company focused as, or at least based, at least some of your team will be based in the US, then then we will um, definitely take a look. We also do first generation. Now, we understand that it, it's a it's a thin line, right? Like I technically was born in Colombia, but I came when I was six years old. Um, and, you know, there's a there's a spectrum of, of, of kind of my immigrant experience versus someone else, but we do also support first generation. So if your parents are immigrants, um, we also can bet on you. That's that opens up a, a wide range of people uh, in this beautiful, beautiful country. Whenever I refer to the country as beautiful, it's never something patriotic. It's always when I think of just the diversity of this country that I don't always see when I look up on the TV screen, but I definitely see when <laughs> I walk out the front door. And that that is incredible. I think people are going to be very excited to, to learn about Unshackled VC. Um, it's a it's always been a cool model and uh, I've always felt a kinship to it as a, as a fun to fund type of uh, kinship. Um, Same. So let's, a, a reason I wanted people to, to have that information is because I want to go back to your story. I want to go back to you and, and make sure people are taking notes and, and have the, the website, but going back to you, um, have, have there been tough t times during the last few years? Like, First of all, how old are you? Because I don't think I caught that. I'm 28. 28. So you're in a, that's a great age, by the way. So <laughs> is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, you said that you, you, you kind of had these people along the way who were championing you and who caught something. 
something in your intellect, something in your your kind of curiosity, I imagine, and a gleam in your eye. Uh, and and they said that you should be in these other, you should be in gifted programs rather than the ones that restrict you. Reminds me a lot of my brother, by the way. Um, what so what was that like kind of coming in i mean you you're at a fund that is very aligned with you have you all as a fund or have you yourself faced any kind of issues that kind of help you relate to some of these founders yeah i mean definitely coming to this country and starting from scratch was like pretty tough i mean i think you know we we moved to fairly low income like probably the lowest income neighborhood in, in, in the city where I grew up, which was in Orlando, Florida. And um, honestly, I mean, I, there's huge language barriers. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom in Colombia, and my dad um, was kind of a general manager at a hospital. Neither of them went to college. So it was, it was definitely an uphill battle for, for the family coming to the US and starting from scratch, because without an education, without much English, um, you know, my parents did blue collar jobs as housekeepers and custodial workers up until they retired uh, last year, uh, 65, 67 years old. So, you know, that part is, was, it, it, it's the part where it was never, you know, when I look around venture, definitely not the usual background of people that invest. Um, I didn't go to a prep school. Um, I, I didn't go to an Ivy League. I, I did go to a decently strong school, Berkeley's for sure, a very strong school, but um, you know, I think that that part was tough. I think when you realize that so much of your background and where you are, like, I'm incredibly aware of how lucky I've been. Like, yeah, there's always some degree of merit and hard work, but there's a lot of people that work really hard and are very smart that don't get the same opportunities. And so I am very much aware that I had you know, significant people take a bet on me that allowed me to go, right? Like, I didn't know what a gifted program was. My parents didn't know what a gifted program was. Like, I needed someone who came from that world and structure to tell me or recognize that or at least give me the opportunity um, to do that. And I remember even then when I did the gifted thing, they used to split you into, you could be in gifted STEM classes, so math and science. And then there was the other, which was history and English track. Um, or you could do all four if you scored a certain amount, but obviously my English was terrible. And so I got put into the STEM gifted mm. uh, because they were like, you're only gifted in science and math, which is hilarious to me because I really do not like science or math that much. <laughs> I went to Berkeley and studied political science and I'm definitely so much more of, of, of a history nerd and reading than I am math and science. So it's hilarious to think back, but that's all that took, right? This country, unfortunately, does a lot of tracking and Florida as a state does a lot of educational tracking. So it helped. But, you know, I think with, with founders, it's the same way, right? Like we, we understand that in order for them to know about us, we have to meet them where they are. It's not this, you know, just come to Silicon Valley and pitch us because there's so many assumptions and barriers to cross before you get to that, right? So for us as we want to be part of, of communities, of small business chambers. We we do a lot of the work in places where we know immigrant communities work um, so that these entrepreneurs can find us versus just like, hey, I'm going to stay here in Silicon Valley and you just come to me at some point. Mm -hmm. it, it really means uh, meeting them halfway because I, d I don't know what I was looking for as a you know seven-year-old kid in, in my education. And, and chances are there's a lot of immigrant entrepreneurs who are entrepreneurs at heart, but 
they don't quite know where that's going to go yet. Yeah. And I want, another thing I've noticed about you is um, in addition to being in that category of, of investor who tries to share and collaborate and, and, and share information as much as possible, which is really great. You also, I think you also have different, um, at least one group that you get together with and share opportunity with, share inside stories. Uh, why was that important for you to, to be a part of and to help create? Yeah, I mean, definitely very, I'm a very community driven individual. Um, probably coming from the background where yeah, my parents were working all the time. Um, and that meant that I had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own. And so one thing I got really good was being resourceful with like people and their time and their attention in order for me to be able to like figure out the world because my parents were not my go-to for many of these things. Um, and it did help me long-term because when you learn to learn quickly from other people, um, you get to kind of take a shortcut into some of, uh, of the things out there. And so I try to do this. I, I mean, it's, it's the incredible part of being a venture, right? We get to meet small founders every day and they're basically teaching us a lot of stuff. I trust the founders to know about their areas a lot more than I know about it. Um, and same thing with other investors. So I, when I think about a community that I can rely on, it really is just my place of, of growth and learning and support. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to do a shameless plug and say that I have a, a limited time collaboration with a, a group called uh, a, a company called Mess in a Bottle, M-E-S-S-N-A-Bottle.com, which is an incredible uh, black woman owned t-shirt and merch company that bootstrapped its way to millions, which is really cool. Of course, we'll have her on That's as awesome. soon as we can. And I have a collabor a new collaboration. And one of those pieces is a mug that says, forget, quote, unquote, imposter syndrome. Tell me your thoughts on imposter syndrome. Um, have you felt it before? And how do you how do you address it today? If, if you do feel it or, or if other people um, say that they feel it? Yeah, um, yeah, I feel it all the time. <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, I think well, we don't, we don't look like most investors do. We don't have a lot of the background that most investors do. So definitely in the early days of my career, I was kind of like, I feel like I'm here by accident and I'm just <laughs> going to make the most of it and try to figure it out for a very long time. Um, but I think what was good about being a venture was I did become a lot more comfortable with the unknowns and, and a little bit of I, I can't, it's a very humbling job, right? I can't realistically know absolutely everything about every technology and every industry and every vertical out there. Um, and so when that's your status quo, when I wake up every day and I'm like, listen, I, I don't I don't know everything, at least it's a good place to be. Um, and it allows me to kind of shift through people, right? Like I'm, I'm very hesitant and very sus of people that act like they know absolutely everything um, because if you don't have room for growth or that, then, you know, it's not someone I want to be around. And so I think I mostly just reframed it as, look, just learn the most you can. It's not, you're never going to know everything. You're never going to be someone else. You just have to be kind of yourself. But, you know, I think it's just part of it, really. It's, it's yeah. not easy being in these rooms. Yeah. And most people who are in the rooms already, 
Um, we don't know how they got there. I mean, they may look the part, but we don't know anything. And I look at it, it's a little bit of uh, on a high horse, but I don't mind it. It's, there are a lot of people whose positions, I believe, are interchangeable. Like there are a lot of people who know how to, to put together a, a spreadsheet and you <laughs> right. know, do certain things. But when you find people, and there, there are a lot of us, a lot of us are this way. When you find people who just have their own point of view, their own sense of self, who, who do, like you say, put community first and co collaboration first and are always learning, always growing, you can't uh, interchange that. You can't, that, you know, you can't change that. That's not a cookie cutter mode. Your background yeah. informs a lot of that. Your lived experience informs a lot of that, how you see the world. And so that's why I think so many people who, that's why I say forget imposter syndrome, because so many people are wasting so much time worried about how did I get here? Am I supposed to be here? And not being there and growing into the position that they're in rather than- yeah contemplating and, and lamenting on the fact that they're not supposed to be there yeah i mean yeah. if you get thrown into the deep end of the pool like if you spend time thinking about you don't know how to swim instead of trying to swim out you're gonna drown you sink that's right that's right <laughs> and then you think about somebody like uh, i always talk about obama barack obama he had never been president before and f i can't think of a, a better example of someone who could feel imposter syndrome but he just went for it and now he's considered yeah. not, if not the greatest, which I think one of the greatest presidents of all time. I think he's the greatest president of all time. I do too. And imagine if he had spent the first two years just worried, like, I'm not, am I supposed to lay in this presidential bed? Am I supposed to call on the? Did I? Should I have won? Yeah, should I have they won? Seen? All of that. No, <laughs> you, you, you are there for a reason, and. Um, you can't figure out that reason why you're looking behind you. They say if you if you keep if you look at the past, you'll trip on the future. A hundred percent. And I think being being authentic to who you are, you it's it's a long term game, and you will if you are authentic to who you are, you will attract people who you want to be around. Uh, will see you, right? They will see you for you, and that's important because if you know. If you're going to be in this for 10, 20 years, you you want to be with people that see you for you. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I do see early folks in, in their career and obviously in venture is trying to fit into who they think they want, they should be, um, and who they want to represent. But that can be very lonely if that's not true to you. Um, and that's really hard because it, it, sometimes it might take time, right? Like, you and I might not have been appreciated by all of venture for like 10, 15 years ago. And we might have to wait it around for 10 That's to 15 right. years. But you and I probably also wouldn't have found each other so early mm. in this journey if it wasn't because we knew we were authentic to each other. And I could spot that from the minute I met you versus mm -hmm. if I had met, you know, Arlen, who was trying to be someone else that you weren't, then I probably would have been like, That's, I don't, you know, wouldn't have connected the same way. Yeah. And it would have been a much lonelier journey for much longer. Absolutely. I mean, and today, to, to close that point out, we are in demand. Both of our fund theses, is that how you say it, <laughs> are in demand because we could see that faster than and earlier than other people. And that's that's the quote I, I say, which is also available at messinabottle.com on a t-shirt. Be yourself so that the people looking for you can find you. 
And I think that it's a perfect example of that, us finding each other. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So as we, as we get ready to close out, um, what are you, what are you working on these days that, or maybe not even working, maybe it's something like a hobby or something that you, you, that kind of brings you joy. What's the, what's the uh, thing you're excited about? Yeah. My, uh, my girlfriend, my significant other, Alex, who used to work at Backstage, uh, yes. grew up playing tennis. Um, I did not grow up playing any type of like official sport uh, of any kind. Like, obviously I played in, in, in during recess and stuff, but um, I decided this year to take up tennis. And so, you know, Ooh. talk about growth mindset, let me tell you, <laughs> showed up to the core, but, and I've been taking lessons and playing every day. Um, I think I, I definitely wanted to feel healthier after 2020. And I came into 2021 being like, I want to be active and hold myself accountable to something. So I took up tennis and it's incredible. I, well, I've never been in a very structured sport. Like, you know, I used to play basketball. I used to play soccer with like out there, ride bike, but to be in a structured sport with like a coach and all that stuff, that's like super new to me, Mm. but it's been really exciting. I love that. I love that. Uh, I I just did an interview uh, with Amanda Seals on her podcast and she was just coming from playing tennis. I like taking tennis lessons and, and, uh, man, you know, it's making me think about it. I want something like a sport that I can do that it's fun. So that makes me do it often because I'm definitely in the same, I'm in a, in a, a the same boat, but it's, it's a bigger boat <laughs> than you are because I definitely need, I've been doing a few things, but tennis, I hadn't thought of that so fun i mean and it's a full body workout it's legs it's arms it's a little bit of running but not too much running it's not too fast not too slow and then you can do doubles and doubles singles you could just do hit it with a machine so yeah. it's a great sport i like hadn't i always thought it was like a very like rich people sport uh-huh. <laughs> which it probably still is but it was like it's been really nice and it's a it's a good uh great workout what um, kind of places do you go do you, is it like clubs that you go to or who who is putting on tennis camps yeah there's definitely like different tennis clubs and yeah I feel like a lot of clubs have it as well um there is uh you know there's a couple USTA centers like our you know USTA is actually a nonprofit. so Mm. in terms of their classes and their pros they're incredibly affordable and I happen to live in tennis association I'm gonna say yeah yes the United States Tennis Association and they have uh incredible facilities incredible professional coaches and pretty affordable like I right now I'm in Orlando with my family for a little bit so I'm taking USTA classes and um it's like 30 bucks per class it's nothing crazy I might have to check it out. I mean, for the headband alone. I mean, at the very least, you're just out there looking looking fresh. Can you wear sweatpants? Because I will not be wearing shorts out there. It's not going to happen. I definitely wear sweatpants. So, yeah, nice. I think you can. Yeah. Nice. It's cool. also, you know, you're in California, so it's a little chillier. So here, yeah. I, I'm, a, you know, if it gets to summer, I don't know if I can wear sweatpants, but I'm definitely a sweatpants type of girl. That's cool. Well, I'm so happy I asked that because now I have uh, something I'm going to check out. Uh, I know this has been really helpful for a lot of people and, and I'm excited for them to, to reach out to you. Where do they find you on social if they want to learn more, hear more from you? Yeah, um, I, I think Twitter is probably my, my go-to place really is, is so it's just at Maria Salamanca with an M at the end. Go ahead um, and spell and- your last name for anybody who is uh, doing sports right now, playing tennis right now, who doesn't have a pin in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last name is salamanca so s-a-l-a-m-a-n-c-a um it's a city in spain 
So it's all it's about ace. Yeah, it's all. I love it. It's like a letter. Spain. It is a city in Spain. Have you been to it? University. I haven't actually. Um, I have been to Spain, but not there. And oh, please go there. Yeah. And I do write on Substack. It's called Grounded. Uh, the Grounded newsletter uh, is where I go into tech that matters uh, to keep myself grounded on on issues that I should care about. Love it. It's fantastic. Okay. Well, thanks for joining. Thanks for your time. And I hope you have a really Thank you. great rest of your year here. This was awesome. Thank you, Harlan. Arlen thanks for listening to this episode so I would love to keep up with you online you can find me at Arlen was here on Instagram and on Twitter that's A-R-L-A-N was here I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you your first million is produced by Anna Eichenauer executive producer Arlen Hamilton Associate producer, Chacho Valadez. Theme song is used by permission by the artist, Tobey Nguigwe.